0: Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. All right, good morning, church. All right, those of you in-house, y'all are like spooky quiet this morning. I don't know, y'all, y'all are kind of weirding me out. Um, it's okay to come in here with joy and laughter and, and love talking to one another, I tell you. Um, how is everyone today? How was your week this week? Bo, I don't know if you can do a quick camera change, but can y'all just give our online church a wave this morning? Yes, no, no, yes, Bo's going to tell us. <laughs> he loves when I throw these things at him, I'm just telling you. So good morning church at home as well. Good um, Oh, now wave. Now wave. There you go. Bo has to cue us in. There you go. So last week, we're going to continue in the the book of Ephesians is where we're at. If you want to turn there. Um, Last week, we were in Ephesians 4. We talked about the unity of the church. Um, That's the only title I've given Bo in probably months and years. I'm not a title person. I, I stink at that. I'm God, and I guess it's because each of you hear a different message. So whatever my title may be may not be what you hear in a message. I don't know. Uh, but he needs titles for whatever. Um, we do podcast. He I don't know, it, it, you know if you've tried that out yet, but Bo has he'll take our message this morning, he trims it down um, to where it's just the message and he runs it through whatever programs. He makes me sound so good. I mean, we sound like we would be professionals up here when Bo gets done with it. Um, and then he puts it on podcast. So, you know, some of you, if you drive a lot and, and you say, you know, I sort of fell asleep in the last half of that message. And I don't know what she said. You can always come back and pick it up as a podcast. I'm just telling you. Um, I think he said we went global this morning. We had Russia and Norway listening to podcasts. So, okay, whatever that is. I don't know. So last week, Unity. And we ended with these words. This is in chapter 4. This is what we ended with last week. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So we ended with those words last week when we were talking about the church coming together. And, and just to remind you again what Paul is facing as he writes these letters to the church, he's, he's facing a Jewish community and a Gentile community coming together to create the Christian church. And he's addressing these issues that they have. And so today we we pick up in chapter 5 and it I want you to understand when we are looking at our scriptures when when we see divisions and chapters and and we see these titles and these uh little subtitles this was not in the original script okay you have to understand that when he wrote the letter it would have just been one ongoing letter It's our little brains that need the division sometimes. So that's why sometimes it's hard to know where to stop and where to pick up again, because it all is a continuous letter that goes together. So last week he told us things we needed to get rid of, things we needed to include in our lives. And then chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Imitate God, therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Children are great imitators, for better or worse. I remember my mom telling me the story and I only have very very hazy, vague memory of this, because I was so young. My grandfather had come to live with us. He was kind of in between jobs or whatever was going on with his life at the moment, and he had come to live with us, and um, my grandfather was kind of a rough character around the edges. And I remember us being in Walmart, so this, this was probably like when I'm in kindergarten you know when walmart first came about right (laughs) that's that's how long ago this would have been and i remember asking my mom to buy me some shoes and she didn't have the money that was not in the budget for the day or whatever and i guess uh, this is where she fills in the gaps i guess that i was not happy moms can you know what i'm talking about when the kid wants something and you say no and then the fight ensues and you know whatever happens happens right Um, And I became so agitated at her that at the very top of my lungs, I called her a name that I will not repeat in the church. And she said it was loud enough that everybody in that store turned to look at that poor woman with that poor child.
1: And she said...
0: I just pushed my buggy aside. I grabbed you by the arm and out the front door we went straight home. And she said, I got home and I went straight to your grandfather and said, It's time for you to go. Because she knew I had been listening to Papa's mouth. <laughs> and that's where I had picked up my choice word. Children are great imitators for better or worse, right? They, they, they look at people and they imitate uh, people, and we hope it's always the good side, but sometimes, yeah. I don't know, as a mother, sometimes my children, they are the ones that have been the Holy Ghost Junior to check me when we hear our words coming out of their mouth, and somehow it sounds different, right? Yeah, and we go, oh, I just said that, didn't I? Yes, I did. But Paul tells us who to imitate. Imitate God. Because you're his children now. Remember, he's taking these two communities and he's teaching them a new way of life, right? That means that what they had been imitating, the world around them, is no longer what God desires. And this is the same message for you and I. Because we imitate the world around us. We we want to dress like other people. We want to have a house like other people. We want to we want to be as happy as they are on Instagram. We imitate the world around us. But God has something different for his children. And that's why in Romans it tells us that we have to renew our mind, the way we think about things, because now we realize maybe what I've been imitating hasn't been the best thing to imitate right? Like, I I had parents that loved me, and they stayed married for a long time, but there was no Christian influence that they gave me. In fact, I might have influenced them more than they influenced me later in life when it came to Christianity. So I had to look here to find what I needed to imitate. And I looked at different ones in the church as well, women that I looked up to as Christian women in the church. And he said, "I want you to live a life full of love. That's a big deal because again, you have the Jews, you have the Gentiles in there." He said, "You you you need to imitate God and live a life full of love." And then he goes on. I didn't read through, but he goes, you know, verse three through fourteen. He does a, a big long list for us of things what it looks like day to day. You know, keeping your personal intimate relationships pure. And, and adults know when I use that word intimate today, I'm trying to be correct for our kids who are in here with us, okay? Keeping those personal intimate relationships pure. Keeping our mouths, <laughs> that's a tough one. Keeping our mouths pure. How we talk, how we joke with each other. He said, don't let all, all that unwholesome talk and coarse jokes come out of your mouth. He says, don't be greedy in how you're living your life. Don't make excuses for sin. Don't be hanging out with people that say, oh man, you're just human, it's okay. No, because he says, imitate God. And then verse 15 through 20, how do we do that? Because BJ, like, I don't think I'm human right? I'm human. He says, live by the Spirit's power. This is how we're going to do it. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. You know, I, I talked a little bit about this last week. We 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 like to Throw up on Facebook, hey, the the end of time, you know, Christ is coming back. Okay, you better be making the most of every opportunity that you have then today. Don't act thoughtless, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul was living, understand what he's living in. He's living in a time and a culture of self-indulgence Choices that people made in that time frame was all about want and greed and pleasure and self. Hmm. Does that sound vaguely familiar to anybody? Hmm. You know, those listeners that Paul is writing this to, they would have been used to, to gathering and worshiping the Roman and Greek gods. They had their own form of worship before they came to Christ. And when they went to these places to worship, it was all about the self-indulgence, the pleasure, self-pleasure, those intimate relationships outside of marriages that was okay. It was all about um, accepting whatever made you feel good. And Paul said, this is how you used to be, but Christ's church We're different because now we're his children. We don't belong to the the dark. We don't belong to the world anymore. You know, coming from a, a life where worship was endless partying and drinking and infidelity and indulgences, Paul says, wait, there's a different way to life. And this is still relevant for you and I. Because see, I I spent the first half, I I thought of this yesterday when I said this in something else, and I said the first half of my life, and I was like, I am so old now. But the first half of my life, stop shaking your head at me back here, Claudette, I am too, I'm, I'm feeling it. What is that, what is that meme on Facebook of like, you know, this is my age, but my knee feels like this and my hip feels like, you know. My my wonderful husband bought me a new couch, and I love it. Man, if it wasn't for COVID, Miss Dorothy, I'd have you down. You'd love this new furniture. It's the electric recliner stuff, and it's so soft, and it's I was scared. Him and Brittany did this without me, by the way. Women, do we know how dangerous that is to let your men pick out your couch and chairs without you? Them two were so tied up in knots, about to throw up until the furniture came. Whatever night that was, Wednesday night? No, it was Wednesday because I came out to do church. Um, and Alex was still here. So, yeah. and uh, But I love it. It, it. Oh, it just sits so wonderfully. But last night as I was getting up off the couch, I was still going, Ugh. anybody do that? Like you sit and you tuck your legs under you and then it takes you like halfway across the living room to get back up straight to walk. See, that's my age. I'm telling you, Dorothy, I'm telling you. And he just looked at me funny, he said, "Woman, I bought you a couch." I said, "That don't change my hips though." <laughs> I said, "You want to buy me some new hips to go with that new couch, <laughs> right? But we're used to that that comfort, but you know, Paul told us there's a different way to live we We indulge in things and and, and I lived over half my life outside of the church and That means I spent a lot of years imitating something other than God. And I had to relearn how life looked. Not in the church. Understand, I'm not talking legalistic things. I'm talking how my heart worked. I'm talking about how you forgive people. I'm talking about how you love people people you don't even like. I'm talking about things that the world don't teach us because the world taught me, take care of me. It's all about me. But God teaches me, love him first and love others as if I'm loving myself. And then Paul gets very specific in this chapter, and this is really what I'm focusing on, is in verse 21 through 33. And I debated on whether I was going to read this whole thing, but I was like, no, you got to because it's good stuff. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his wife and mother and is joined to his wife. Yes, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. And this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Now, Bo, put that picture up there. I asked on Facebook a couple of days ago this question, what is your best marriage advice? Um, got several different answers. Um, know your expectations will compete with reality. In other words, we all come in with that honeymoon thought of what marriage is, and man... Reality is always different, always different. Careful on the amens this morning, okay? I, don't, I ain't got time to work you all into marriage counseling this week. We may just do one big group marriage counseling. Um, I think overwhelmingly a lot of it was keep Jesus, keep God first, right? Um, communication, saw that one. Um, I love Donna's when she said, you know, if you want children, wait several years. And I don't know what the time frame is. Thomas and I waited a year. Um, Alex told one of his high school teachers, he come home one day and told us, he was like, I told him that such and such day is your anniversary. And, and, and then Brittany was born and he had totally messed up. The months and years. I said, oh, son, you go back and correct this. And he was like, why? I said, because you just made it look like mama was pregnant before she got married. And I don't want to think of that because we wasn't. There was a whole year in there, son. I said, go. And he was like, it's no big deal, mom. Yes, it is. This is my reputation we're dealing with. I was like, you go fix this. But I do agree with that thought process of giving, you know, giving yourself time to be those newlyweds. Not, not every marriage gets that opportunity, obviously. But um, that was one thing that we enjoyed, being able to be married before you become, because kids change everything. They's a blessing, but they change everything. Um, forgiveness, that was something that kept popping up, keeping God again, keeping God. Oh, I love this, date night once a week right? that That's actually a great idea. I wish we could do that, Thomas. <laughs> we don't always have that time frame, right? But I do believe you have to make time for that. Even if you can't do it every single week, husbands and wives, you need date time, especially when you got kids. Drop them babies off at Mimi's and Paw Paw's and be gone, Right? Um, but that's so hard to do, too, because then we worry, you know, are they behaving? Whatever. Um, Let's see. Courtney, bless your heart. Your husband will never find anything by himself again, even if it's right in front of him. Amen and amen and amen. Can I tell your story this morning, Thomas? He He's like, I don't even remember the story, so go ahead. He, he couldn't find his contact vial. And I didn't have time for us to look for it. He thought he left it in, like, his hunting clothes or whatever. And I finally, I was just like, just look in that drawer. There's a whole pack of new ones. Just get you a new one and let's go, you know. And after he pulled out the new one, he went to put it in his pocket. Guess where the other contact valve was? In his pocket. Yes. So um, this is true stuff. Um, Let's see. Sandy, was you the one that said don't do it? Yes, you was. (sighs) This could be true though. This could be true. I'm just saying. It just I'm just saying. Um, another date, night. Um, put God first. Uh da da, 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 da. And, and hey, Clay even typed in there to make sure you talk about money. This is important stuff too, right? Um, we did this uh in marriage counseling with Jennifer and, and Lucas, and um that was a very important thing. We can make list and list, there's different responses. But I think Paul would agree with the overwhelming response of putting God first because he says, imitate God. That is huge when it comes to our marriages. You know, I know when I read through this passage, we've heard maybe different conversations on this and probably one thing that everybody loves to focus on is wives, submit to your husbands. In fact, I get conversations where how can you be the pastor when you're supposed to submit to your husband? I still submit to my husband. I respect him. See, you have to understand what Paul is dealing with. We have to understand what the context of this message was. And the context here is we actually are missing how beautiful this passage is Because we're trying to focus too hard, we're hung up on the legalistic message we've heard throughout the years. It really is a beautiful passage for marriage. And again, you have to back up. Let's understand what Paul is dealing with. The institute of marriage was really in trouble in Paul's day. Hmm, sounds familiar again. You see, the Jews would get married, and and yes, they had a wife, and, and her job is to take care of the home, have the legitimate kids. Notice that word I'm using, have the legitimate kids. And then there would be these extra helpers in the house. Dang, this is hard. I miss children's church because this is hard for me today. See, so y'all, y'all got to stay awake and stay tuned in to, to read between all my lines this morning. But... There's these extra maids in the house for other purposes. And then there's just out there people. There was was no keeping it monogamous in the marriage. And this was accepted. This is just how it was. And then you had the Greeks who pretty much anything goes. And then when it came to divorce for Jews, did you know that um, there was only very, like, two or three reasons a wife could actually divorce her husband? And it was for, like, things like leaving the faith, you know, that kind of deal. Um, Or if he was a tanner. Isn't that funny? If he tanned hides. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That's a weird one that I thought. So Jackie, he's a taxidermist. You, You got your loophole, babe. Um. I just saw her because she was like, oh, hmm, all right. Careful there, Montana. You walk in a fine line now, buddy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Listen to the whole message. All right. Y'all got to listen to this whole message. And unfortunately, the men, almost for no reason whatsoever, because the way the law would read if she just wasn't pleasing to him, which means you burnt my supper. (laughs) Hush, Thomas. Thomas. I don't even cook anymore. You can't say that. All right. So in the Greeks, there was not even anything really um, on the laws about divorce. I mean, like anything, again, anything goes. Here's the problem with this. This is what Paul's dealing with. Women had no rights or respect in his time frame. And this passage is actually... Reshaping all of that. That's why I say we have missed the beauty. Why? Because somebody has tried to convince us to go back to the old law of what they think submit means. But Paul is telling us, here's a new version of what marriage is going to look like under Christ now. Again, you've been imitating the world. Let me show you how God wants this to look. And so, you know, wives that were expected to run the house and and care for the children, you know, Paul is giving them a view now of what Christ says. And he says, it's no longer this contract. You see, because these marriages were loveless. Husbands and wife, loveless. She just played her part to providing him an heir is what it was about. And he says, it's no longer a contract but it's a covenant with Christ in between. Now here is something that I've noticed that so many times we miss because we we love, you know, love to tell people that verse 22, wife, submit to your husband. Can we back up to 21? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's twofold husband and wife. Submit to one another. So wives who were used to this loveless marriage, Paul is letting them know that's not going to be how it is anymore because he's going to love you like Christ loves the church. So it's not just about surrendering and submitting. It's about being helpmates to one another. That's how God created marriage to be. Because when when Adam came, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And he created that helpmate for him to walk with. And see, it, it, it got taken away from what it was intended to be. And isn't Christ all about redemption and reformation, bringing it back to what God intends it to be? So we see that set up. Paul's telling these wives that husbands are going to be somebody you can trust and have faith in now. He's going to take care of you and love you. Yeah, we like to focus on the wife part, but I don't know about you guys, but I see this little bitty thing about wives, and then I see this really big paragraph about husbands. Because obviously, it's a new undertaking for these Christian husbands to understand how to love their wives with this new respect. Because again, the law tells them there's women have no rights. They have no power. There's no protection for them. Like they can be stripped of everything from their husbands. But Paul says that's not how you're going to love your wives. Why does he give such detail? Because men didn't respect women. And I promise you, when I hear people, it's usually men telling me, you need to submit to your husband. I hear that kind of voice. Men that don't love women or respect them as God created us to be. And that's not how we're to live. Paul tells them, as Christians, we're going to do it different. So I did this Facebook post, and what I... Notice a sort of after the fact was only two men responded and they're both pastors. Hmm. Yet husbands, what's your thoughts on this? Because God did give you an important part of our families. You are the head of our families, just as Christ is the head of the church. But somehow through the years it's become the wife's duty to pass along our faith and to raise up the children, right? But I see Paul saying, no, submit to one another. You're going to do this together. You know, husbands, think about how Christ is with the church. What do we do when when we have a problem in the church? We what? We go to Jesus. We need strong men in our families. And as much as we say we put God first, number one answer, how are we doing that? Because saying it and doing it, Brittany, two different things. Saying it and doing it are two different things. And what do I mean by that? When is the last time? I'm talking to the men just for a second. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hold you to a fire this morning. When is the last time your children or grandchildren saw you reading your Bible or in prayer? And this is so important. I mean, Montana, look at those beautiful girls that you got. And I know your heart's desire is for them to find a godly man someday. Yes, Montana, they will date. They will get married. It happens. Talk to Thomas. We're still working through issues back there. <laughs> you know, long before my, my daughter uh, and my son was even thinking of dating, I was praying for their spouses. And I, I still do. And we want them to, to seek out godly men in their lives. We want our, our young boys to be godly men. They have to see it first. Remember, children are great imitators. And it's not about being macho to make a man. And And... I, you know, one of the things I loved Thomas first, the moment I knew I wanted to marry him, was because he was a hard worker and I felt like he he will provide for me and I will never have to worry about that. That did draw me to him. But it was his godliness that drew me more. But for me, that was something I'd never seen in a man before. I didn't see that in my daddy. And my grandpa maybe had it, but he passed when I was so young, my, my other grandpa, not the one that taught me the words, the other grandpa. <laughs> I sure never saw it in that grandpa. <laughs> so, so man, I want to hold you to a fire a little bit, because Paul tells me this is twofold. It's not just wives, it's husbands. Be the men that set the example. I don't care how old you are sitting in here. It's never too late to change those ways. That's an important thing. That's an important thing for our children coming up. Just as much as I want children to see strong women, I, I, I'll be honest, Jackie, when, when I was uh, trying to figure out if I wanted to do this job, you know, past interim, God spoke to me because of your girls because I thought they've not seen a female pastor and they need to see that. And that's so true. But at the same time, I want them to see strong men in this church. When I walk and pray in here, I pray for your husbands to rise up and be strong, bold men of faith that will lead this church, lead your families. In generations to come. We need that in this country today. And we can change whole families with that. Don't ever underestimate. And I'll go back and read that last part, verse 31. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. That is so important. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. What makes a good marriage? Love, respect, forgiveness, Gentleness, patience, you know, because if I look at how Christ loves the church, it's not a a matter of dominion and power, is it? It's a matter of unconditional love and sacrifice. And, you know, I know we're social distancing, but guess what? Husbands, wives, if you're here together, link hands as we close in prayer today. And here's what I want you thinking as we pray. I want you to thank God for the spouse he gave you. Even if you walked in here not liking him today. It's the spouse he gave you. And then I want you to to pray a prayer for God to realign your hearts. Maybe, Maybe this message hits today because you're like, PJ, we're struggling right now. Then I want you to pray for God to realign your heart so that they beat together with Christ as the rhythm. So many times it's easy to say, put God first. But when's the last time you and your spouse made time to pray together? I haven't even done that with my husband in a very long time because I always get a little scared. Because sometimes when we pray together as spouses, God shakes things. But it's always been good things. It's always been good things. Even the scary things have been good things. I want to see marriages strengthened in this church. Because it changes whole families. It changes generations. Generations. If you've never prayed for your children and and their spouses to come, start today. Start figuring out, God, this is the kind of person I want my children to have in their lives. And God, someday when my grandchildren get here, God, this is what I pray blessings over them. I'm praying for generations I may never see. I feel like I'm the result of a, what is it, a great-great-grandfather that you guys had that prayed for his grandchildren and generations to come. He just didn't know he was praying for one of the married-in ones. (laughs) Pray over your families. Stand with me this morning, church, and husbands, wives, act like you love each other for the next 30 seconds. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, and and Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. Oh, Lord, uh, we have a culture that it's trying to kill out the marriage the way God intends it. God, I pray for your spirit to redeem it today. God, for the ones sitting here in house, for the ones who are listening at home, uh, God, whatever the trouble is in their hearts, could you speak to them right now? God, the, the rifts that are in marriages, could you begin that healing process right now? Could you remind us as husbands and wives how Christ loves the church so that we love one another accordingly? Father, I pray for the men of our church right now. God, I, this is a prayer that I have prayed for years now, for the men to stand and rise to assume that role of head of their house, to assume that position of leading in the word of God, not just bringing home a check. But God, it's about showing our children, our wives even, how how to be in the word, how to pray. God, rise them up. Somebody in here is hearing this message and, and, and it makes them nervous, but God, rise them up. I want children and grandchildren to have memories of their dads seeing them with an open Bible or seeing them sitting in that recliner praying over the children. It's not always something out in the public that we do. Lord, I thank you for my spouse who he sits every morning by himself, but we know he does it. And he opens your word, and he reads, and he listens, and he prays. And God, I know his struggles, that that's not easy for him. But you called to him to do that. And I think it changes our family because of that. Lord, I want to see that in other families. I want to hear testimonies of how you are changing lives because of that, inside the church but outside in the community as well. And Lord, as we close today, again, I want to focus on our nursing home and the staff and the patients. And God, could you bring this under control for them? Step in beyond the medicine, Lord, and just bring healing in that building. Bring peace and calm today. Let hope spring forth. Hope is what drives us through fear, and let that spring forth today. Father, we love you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. He is our example, and he laid down all rights. He came here to live amongst humans, just as we are, to show us a way. God, he paid a price, that sacrifice on the cross that I couldn't pay. He did it willingly. And then, Lord, he rose again. That makes him different than any other God of this earth because he is alive and well at your right hand. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives in each of us this morning. That, God, you don't reside in this room or this building. You reside in your children. And may each person feel that breath this moment. God, and may we leave here filled with your love and your hope to go give to a dark world, that world we used to belong to, Lord. We're the children of light now with you in us. May we share that light. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. I will see you online Wednesday night. Have a blessed day and go be a blessing to others. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.